Good evening, good evening. I guess I'll just begin now, Russ. Yeah. Good evening, great to be back to say, to see everyone. Hello. Uh, hi. Tonight I have a very interesting and enjoyable uh, teacher that I'm going to talk about and subject that I'm going to talk about. Uh, it's called The Great Fool. And of course it's about, I'm going to talk about Ryokan and also Hakuin. What a combination. What a wonderful combination. So to begin with, I just wanted to, you know, Zazen is all about when we get a little deeper into our sitting, dealing with incredible contradictions, <laughs> two sides that seem to have no answer, like life itself, like life itself. And how, how, do we, how do we make sense of it? How do we come to terms with it? How do we so-called solve it? so-called. That's what we do with our koans. In the, Rinzai, in the Rinzai practice, you're given a koan, a very rough koan, and all of these koans have insoluble, insoluble questions. Cannot be answered. Cannot be answered. Logically, you can make strategies about them, you can think about them from night to day. You'll just get more and more entwined in the conflict that they present. They present an unanswerable question. They turn life itself into an unanswerable question. So people will, and we used to, and, and as Carl will tell you at the monastery, up all night screaming move or carrying on or, or running to duck us on with our koans and the teacher, for me anyway, the teacher yelling, not yet, get out, get out, very harsh, get out, try harder, sit more, you're not desperate enough. <sighs> So we'd have to become more desperate, more desperate in order to solve the koan, to generate that energy. I've got to solve this koan. I've got to find the answer. And, and it takes a while to realize there's no answer. There's no answer. That's such a moment in Zen practice. There is no answer. And actually what we don't see, though, is that there's no question either. <laughs> this problem, this so-called conflict that drives us crazy, and I've, I personally have been driven crazy by it many times, it's, 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 it's really something just to play with. And that's why we're going to talk about the Rinzai way and the great fool Ryokan who is one of the greatest poets ever and Zen masters to have come out of the Zen tradition. So both of them, so beautiful, and both, so they seem very contradictory figures, opposite. But I'll talk about it in a minute. But they're not. They come together just the way a koan comes together and all opposites come together. So, you know, it's, when you get a koan or you're sitting hard, it's not just about your practice, although some people somehow separate their practice from their life. It's quite easy to do that. We go into a zendo, it's beautiful, it's structured, everything is set wonderfully, and it's, it's like heaven. You think, oh my God, I came to heaven here. <laughs> How can I ever leave such order, such meaning? There's such meaning, it seems, embedded in every moment. And, and we, we can become caught up working on these beautiful koans and 
feeling we've gotten somewhere, something's happening. We're seeking, seeking, seeking. You know, you can become addicted to the seeking itself. It becomes an addiction and separates us from the real purpose of practice, which is really to, as Ryokan did, to really play with our life, to be in life, to play, to enjoy every moment, not to turn it into everything into a problem. <laughs> well, I'm going to get into this a bit. So anyway, to start with, it's very interesting. As I said, there are a lot of contradictions because in the Rinzai, coming from the Rinzai teachings, we have a statement, finally, which comes from Hakuin. It's in Edo's book, which said, to, this, is fan, this is fantastic. Just to do this is really enough. And to stop, to stop seeking anything, stop seeking anything, that itself is more powerful and more, a better thing to do than a 10-year pilgrimage. You can go on a 10-year barefoot pilgrimage, which I know people who've done, to one temple after another, but just to stop seeking anything is much more powerful than that. And I say, wow, what a statement. What a koan. Try it out. <laughs> Try it and see. We're all, and when I really actually tried it, because in Zen we don't have like just little words, we actually, the point is do it, try it, live it. It's, it's almost impossible. You begin to realize, oh my God, I'm seeking a good cup of coffee, <laughs> I'm seeking a good night's rest, seeking a good friend. I mean, even though we're not conscious, every minute we're looking for something else other than what's right here. Like what's given, what's right here isn't enough somehow. Something wrong with it. Like as a, be, like Edo used to say, not enough, get out, better. We, he wants a better answer, better, better. We live life like that. This isn't enough. We, we need something better. We need something different. We're off the mark. We're missing out. We're not quite there. And that's, it's a terrible feeling. And it expands. It could go into relationships are pretty happy but not quite there <laughs> the person's not quite right <laughs> not quite kind enough and I'm not quite no matter, no matter who I am or what I am I'm not quite enough or I'm not right either that feeling of I have to seek I have to improve I have to get I have to 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 be, be different, be fundamentally different from who I am, and circumstances have to be different from what they are. That's the implicit demand we're making. These set of circumstances we've been given, no good. And of course, that can blow up tremendously. We see that politically, the world's trying to, I'll, I'll, I'll burn this down, I'll do this, I'll do that, I want to protest if my, because it's not okay. Things are not okay, I have to fix it. But, but, Hakuin says, don't seek anything. How could that be? Isn't that irresponsible? Just let things go? He's not talking about not taking appropriate action. I really want to make that distinction. It's very important to take appropriate action. But that appropriate action will come naturally when you stop seeking anything. It will come from a much deeper wisdom that's inherent inside of you and everyone. And it will be beneficial. It will be constructive action. 
That's the promise, and it usually works like that. It works like that. We can take action that just makes things more upsetting and worse and worse. But when we take action coming from not seeking anything, just being available, fully, completely willing to embrace the moment and the people just as they are. You know, <clears throat> that's an immense moment in a person's life. And from that position comes a whole different world. You know, I, I, there's a very beautiful saying in Zen, which is when I'm in Kyoto... I'm dreaming of Kyoto. (laughs) I'm in Kyoto, one of the most beautiful cities on this earth. I'm finally where I want to be, but I'm dreaming about it. I'm not really there in Kyoto. I'm in my fantasies about Kyoto, in my memories of my desire for it to be a certain way. How interesting is that? That's the same thing when we're sitting. I'm sitting, but am I really just sitting and seeking nothing? Or, I, or all this thing is coming up, coming up, coming up. Ah, maybe after this sitting I'll get enlightened. <laughs> maybe after tomorrow, maybe after this session. Oh my God, it, maybe I'm doing the wrong practice. All these things endlessly, endlessly. As Edo said, this snow ceaselessly falling between life and death. A delusion. Ceaselessly confusion. Uh, you know what? It's really what it is. It's lack of appreciation for what we have and what we're given each moment. Judging it, hating it. So what's so? So what's the? How do we? How do we solve this koan? Because this is a koan, major life koan that we're all grappling with. <clears throat> and by the way, your life is the best koan and the best teacher of all. That is the real koan. Is what's happening in your life. So what's this? How, how do we solve this? Well, of course, to start with, we don't solve it. <laughs> we forget about solving it. And from there, we move to one of my very favorite Zen masters and poets who I was compelled to read and read and read yesterday and today, Ryokan. I just feel like he's my, I always feel like he's my personal buddy. Now, Ryokan called himself the most useless of men. <laughs> Love him. The great fool, and of course, when you're the most useless of men, you can't be used, and you don't use others. He didn't use anyone. He didn't use the world to suit his end. He wasn't a user in any way. He was a playful man. <clears throat> he, had a, he lived in many different thatched huts, and his great teacher were the children who were on the hills who he played with all the time. He sang songs to them. He wrote poems for them. He played with life, period. He didn't see life as a problem to solve. It wasn't a, it was not beautiful. It was a dance to do. It was a, a play for him. And I'll read you, before I end tonight, I'll read you one of, some of his, oh my God, his poems, they just say it all. People called him the great fool. He was fine with that. He was fine with being the great fool. He wasn't, he wasn't seeking adulation, position, he wasn't even seeking any wisdom at all, which is, oh my God. He wasn't seeking, isn't that something? Because wisdom is another thing, seeking, seeking, another way of some kind of security against living and dying, against the seasons passing. 
he speaks of that as well. I, I just honor him so much. Although I, I, I do meet him. I can't say I haven't met him. I meet him when I read him. I, I meet him. We all meet these great, we have such privilege that we can be in touch with these great teachers, great voices, especially in a time of real confusion. But Ryokan would never be confused. You know, there, there, there was a, he lived a life of, not only of playfulness, but of total, total acceptance of who he was. He said, that's who I am. Yes, I'm the most useless of men. I sing to children. I go from one thatched hut to another. There were, great things were expected of him. He was a monastic. And he left it all. He said he, wanted, he followed the way of the clouds and the trees. And he said, wherever I am is my home. And he really, 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 he didn't just say it. He lived it. He's my hero. <coughs> Ryokan, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> He's really one of my great heroes. To me, he is the embodiment of Zen practice. We say we want freedom, or whatever that is, or enlightenment. <clears throat> I'm sorry, whatever that is. Words, all these words, we get attached to these words, and they're dangerous, because <clears throat> they can really lead us astray. We get tied up in these labels, and these words, and these ideas. Somehow he wasn't tied up in them because he wasn't seeking anything. You know, something, he was just so open to whatever came along. And, you know, it's, this is very beautiful too. This is connected to Ryokan, this wonderful Chinese teacher who would say, hey, 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 to his students. Hey, you, you're caught up in the snares of the three of the three eras, wake up. Hey, and the most important part of that is, hey, hey, another playful one. Another playful one. Hey, hey, you, wake up. You're caught in the snares of the three eras he meant of the past, present, and future. Isn't that beautiful? That's a snare. That's a snare because here we are and the past emerges as if it's here. It's not. It's gone. And it takes hold. Like, like, a, like a spider, like a claw. It can take hold badly. It's a dangerous moment. No. The snares of the past, the present even, the future, what's going to happen? Who am I going to be? Am I going to get something? That, that whole stream of becoming, becoming, becoming. No. Zazen is about being. Not, and stepping out of the snares of the three time frames. Past, present, and future. Ryokan stayed in, in the moment. He stayed completely in the moment. He wasn't panicking what's going to happen tomorrow. Most of including me, everyone, we panic what's going to happen tomorrow. If someone doesn't call one of my family or someone I love who's sick and this and that, the fear comes. It's normal. No one's saying to deny the fear. No one's saying to repress the fear. <coughs> but don't believe it either. Don't get caught. Don't get caught. See, Zen practice is to see through all of that, to see through that deeply. And then we're tested every minute because here we are in life and we're experiencing the snares of the three times. We're constantly, maybe we get on top of it and then the wave comes. And that's what Sashin is for. We go through maybe seven days sitting all day long. You'll have moments of great clarity 
And then another wave comes. It always happens. The longer you sit, the more waves come. So we can, so we can learn about those waves and we can learn how to, how to surf them, not to get drowned inside of them. I think this is so important for these, this day and age. One thing again about the snares of the three times is that it's again a process of gaining, becoming, changing, past, present, future. What am I going to become? What am I going to gain? What am I going to lose? As the three times come along. And, and so therefore, by clinging to who we are now, or what we have now, or what we hope we're going to become, we're caught in the snares. So as I see this beautiful, wonderful practice, it's very much about not, not, I mean, it's too easy to say not clinging, but watch, just watch yourself. Just be with how you really are. Just try one thing, one practice. Try stop seeking. <laughs> try it out. Make it conscious. Try it for one morning, maybe. And you'll become aware, just aware, oh my gosh, how, ma- how much you are seeking all the time or how much you are holding tight onto all the time. And really, it, all you have to do in Zen practice is become fully, fully aware of it. Just become aware. Don't judge yourself for it. Don't hate yourself for it. Don't say, oh my God, look at me. I'm not enlightened. I'm far from being enlightened. Look, I look how much I'm seeking. Just notice it. Notice it again and again and again. And just that noticing it and really seeing it and not going with it. Don't go with it. Just see it deeply. It will begin to fall away, fall away, fall away. And, and I would like to read to you some... Before we stop, I know this we're coming close to the time. I, I don't want to end without reading to you from the voice of Ryokan himself. I mean, I have, here he is. The, he called the great fool, the most useless of men, he said. I just, I like, because, you know, we kind of not, we kind of use ourselves. We relate to ourselves like an object to be used. That's painful. That's painful. You, you, you don't want to use somebody else. So why do we use ourselves? Let ourselves, you know, it's an interesting thought. It's something worth thinking about. He's the most useless of men, and he says in his poems, and I'm, I'm that's just how I am. <laughs> or, and I like it that way. Oh, he's wonderful. And he's a man who truly, truly cherishes his life. You know, there's a big Jewish holiday, Hebrew holiday, coming up in a couple of days called Purim. I don't know if anybody knows about it or what it is. But um, it's considered one of the most important times, believe it or not. They said at the end of days, this will be the only holiday left to be celebrated. And why is it? Because it's a time of huge celebration. Fun. People dress up in costumes. It's like a masquerade party. They, they, whatever is inside that's been hidden comes out. You can be anyone you want to be. You can dance and sing all day. You're supposed to get drunk, believe it or not, to drink until you don't know the difference between good and bad. Isn't that interesting? And, that, and so that you're free of all of that. So, and, and it's a time of delicious food and delicious friendship. 
And in a way, it's not so different from Ryokan. As you'll hear in his, it is different, but it isn't, because it's, he also just, whatever came along, he celebrated it. His, his Zen was, is, was truly a Zen of celebrating life. Let me read you before I stop. Um, let me read you this poem. Oh, there's so many of them, but let me read you this one here. Um, he says, Ever since becoming a monk, I've been d- drawn to the country's c- clouds and mists. I spend my time with f- fishermen and woodcutters and mostly join children in their games. Love him. What is the g- glory of kings to me? Even the immortality of the gods hold no appeal. Wherever I happen to be is home. So beautiful. Deeply at home he was. Who cares about delusion and enlightenment? Isn't that wonderful? Who cares about it? He's not even seeking enlightenment over delusion. Who cares about it? These created words and fantasies. Who cares about it? It's no different from Bodhidharma's Mount Sunk. I just ride the changes each new day brings. I live out my years soaring, calm and free. That's quite something, isn't it? He is, by the way, considered one of the greatest Japanese poets. Isn't that incredible? And he's not just saying that. That was, that was coming actually out of the way he lived his life. Do we have time for one more little quick poem? Sure. Okay. Where is the one? Um, I've, I, can, I don't want to read the whole book here. I've never bothered about getting ahead. Whew. That itself. Oh, my God. Whew. That's the whole part. I've never bothered about getting ahead. What a relief. How beautiful. Including in his Zen practice. Including in anything. I've never bothered about getting ahead, but just have gone leisurely along, letting things take their way. In my bag are three measures of rice. A bundle of firewood sits by the hearth. Again, he says, who cares about delusion and enlightenment? You know, we hear about it, and and it and then we, it grabs our life, the rest of our life. We're worrying about it. Am I deluded? Am I enlightened? But he says, who cares about it? Who cares about thoughts? Who cares about ideas? Who cares about the mind that keeps spinning out all this stuff? What use is there, he says, in fame and fortune? Very, very important. These are very important questions. In my hut, I love this, I listen to the evening rain and stretch my legs out without a care in the world. People call me useless, <laughs> but that's just who I am. Is that amazing? Is that amazing? Is that incredible? Is that incredible? You could translate that in another context into saying he's a man of faith. He's a man of surrender. You could you could call it all you, you you can call it what you want, but he's let go of a lot of those labels. He said, "Who cares?" He's not even getting there. He's not going there. He doesn't want to define himself in any limiting way like that. 
He just stretches out his legs at the end of the day and is completely at home. So that's, that's my offering <laughs> regarding Zen practice. And I think, especially as we, I, I, not we, but to myself, as I get a little older, <laughs> takes the years to pass to kind of ripen a little bit. It's just not some, it's not just sitting, it's years passing too. And, and seeing the value and the beauty and the wonder, the wonder of a life like Ryokan. So, I offer that to you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you. It's always, it's always great to see you. You too. Okay. Well, as I said um, earlier, uh, we celebrate 19 years this week. Um, from all of what I've been hearing, it looks like uh, it may be very promising that um, uh, we can start meeting again uh, face-to-face. Yes, we'll have to uh, socially distance, and yes, we'll have to uh, mask. Um, I'm not sure uh, that's going to, uh, the masking thing is going to go away anytime soon. Uh, But um, there's nothing like our communal sitting in that great space called St. Bart's. It's... uh, uh, there's a uh, certain something about um, what we do when we're there. Zoom has been great, and I think we'll continue to uh, simulcast, as it were, Zoom and uh, when we start meeting again. Uh, but um, apparently all the um, metrics are going in the right direction. Maybe by spring, uh, we can um, uh, have some uh, what was considered the old normal return. So we'll see. (laughs) Do we, uh, I think... um, I'm not sure when. The, Manny, when's the next soup kitchen? Is it the, this Sunday or the following Sunday? Two weeks. March Two weeks. Six. Okay. And we're going to continue trying to uh, put together a hot meal and uh, distribute it. 